Hi, and welcome to The Handoff. This is the very first episode of our brand new NFL show. Well, before we get stuck into the action, I'll introduce myself. I am Sam Farley, and I'm here with my good friend and a, a producer that I know well, Mr. Sam Leal Green. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, we've kind of had a podcast together before and and have now kind of finally pulled our fingers out and got this sorted as well. So yeah, very much looking forward to this, looking forward to have a reason to talk NFL as well. So a little about the show. Every week we're going to look to have different guests on and different conversations around the league. The name is, of course, The Handoff, which... The definition of that is obviously the exchange made by handing a ball to a teammate. And we're going to treat this episode, this show, like that. We're going to hand off these conversations, talk about the game with a variety of guests who know what they're talking about across the NFL, whether that's people who are involved in the betting side of things, potentially players at some point, coaches, ex-coaches, whatever. There's going to be a load of conversations by people who play the game, who have played the game, who are journalists around the game or part of the wider kind of NFL community. So there's going to be lots of interesting stuff coming forward. But before we get stuck into this, Sam, why don't you tell us a bit about how you first got into the game? Yeah, I mean, like, I think for many of us, it was um, it was on Sky Sports, um, the kind of classic coverage with with Neil Reynolds and crew. Um, and just from there, it was finding, finding ways to get involved. Uh, so the first thing for me was I noticed that they had games on at Wembley and went to see... Um, Patriots Rams uh, in probably like 2011, 2012, uh, where the Patriots absolutely demolished the Rams, and uh, me being a Man United fan was instantly drawn to a to a superpower of a team rather than the plucky underdog. So I uh, became a Patriots fan. Um, uh, and then, disgusting um, admission there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got into it, uh, same as most people, I think. You end up watching the Super Bowl um, and you kind of get in, into it that way. And then uh, went to uni and decided just to try something that wasn't rugby, but would still allow me to batter somebody. Uh, so I played defensive line and got into it that way, which was a lot of fun. But anyway, look, we'll get stuck into it now. We've got a couple of features that we're going to have on the show regularly. And today we're going to give you two of those. There will be more through through the kind of episodes to come. But to start with, we're just going to have a very, very soft little launch. Nice, ease ourselves into the podcast here. Uh, and this one is called The Hill. And basically what we're going to go and do, and we're going to do this uh, by conference, we're going to talk about a team that we we love in the conference. We think there's a good narrative around them. We've got something well, that's not necessarily love. It's, it's a interesting. Take. It's a take on the team. It doesn't take. have to be positive. I might be foreshadowing here, but it doesn't have to be positive. <laughs> uh, and also along that vein, some somebody who's an individual within that conference as well, be it coach, player, whatever. Uh, so look, let's get stuck into that. And let's let's start with the AFC, shall we, shall we Sam? Um, yeah, why don't yeah. you give me... What is the hill that you are willing to die on in the AFC this season? Okay, I mean, I kind of alluded to it, but not all of these are going to be positive. And the hill I'm willing to die on this season is that the Steelers will win fewer than six games this year and finish bottom of the AFC North. That That is the hill I'm willing to die on because I, I genuinely believe that the incompetency on the offense is going to cost that defense every single week their schedule is absolutely bonkers and is really hard they play their easy games their only easy games are they play the jets once the falcons once and the panthers once i'm not convinced panthers will be as easy game as the general media believe and then they play 
home and away against the Cleveland Browns. Um, and I think that at best they split that as well because of when the games end up working themselves out. I think that one of their games, for some reason, is more likely to result in a Cleveland win without wanting to go into the so detail So you're saying they lose twice to, to the other teams in the division, uh, Ravens yeah. and Bengals? Yeah, yeah. Lose twice there. Um, haven't got the schedule up in, in front of me, but I don't see them gaining more than a couple of wins elsewhere. Um, and yeah, I just think it's so uninspiring having Mitch Trubisky start the season. I'd been slightly more on, bold, on board with them if they had kind of gone for Kenny Pickett because I feel like had Pickett been starting the season, I'd have more confidence that by the end of the season, he'd be able to produce something that develop, that even resembled meaningful football. I like a lot of their players as well. I think this is the this is the bad thing about it. I I like their pe- players. I like their draft, but just they haven't addressed the issues on the offensive line, in my opinion. And their quarterback is beyond un- uninspiring. Um, and that defense is amazing, but it's not going to be able to like paper over the cracks forever. I'm going to counter you slightly here, so. Agree. I think the defense is is very very strong there, and I do think whilst it's not going to paper over the cracks week in week out, I think it's good enough that it can it can keep them within kind of an arm's length, and Trubisky can kind of have a shot at winning games. And I I will say this: I kind of Steelers are probably out of all the teams this preseason, the one I've really actually kept an eye on. Um, I've written a few articles about their preseason games, and obviously they've had this sort of three headed QB battle as well. Uh, between um, Trubisky, Pickett, and of course Mason Rudolph, who thankfully uh, oh, he's God. actually the second choice on the depth chart, isn't he? But that won't be for yeah, long. It won't, um, yeah. I think Trubisky, taken out of the mess that was the Bears, might actually be. We might see something from him that we haven't seen yet. And I know he obviously had that season in Buffalo, but he was very much the understudy there. And I think. He might be okay here, but I will say this. I think Pickett is going to be quite good in the NFL. And I do think it's only a matter of time before he comes in. I've I've sort of picked him to be offensive rookie of the year at a few places. Um, because I do think he will he will probably get that starting spot within the first six games, maybe within the first by by four, potentially. How long do you think it'll take for them to make a change at quarterback? I mean, I'm hoping by halftime of the first game, but I, I don't think that's realistic. Um, no, I, th- I think... I, I don't know when their buy is, but I imagine they'll target the buy. Um, I, I haven't got that up in front of me, but usually if, they, if they're making a, if they're bringing a QB in slowly, it's kind of around there. And to your point about Mitch, I think that he would have more of a chance if his offensive line wasn't going to be a complete and utter turnstile. Um, yeah, that's fair. And... I think if you gave him an opportunity in somewhere where he actually had both weapons and time and space to throw the ball, you might he might be able to build some confidence and produce decent performances. Nothing that's going to set the world alight, but he might be competent. But in front of behind that offensive line, rather, I don't have a lot of faith. That's fair. So, so look, I'm going to stay within the AFC North here for my oh, yeah. hill. I think. The, there's one team that is going to be destructive this year, devastating, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. I, I'm expecting such big things from this team. Um, like I, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm not a Ravens fan, um, but they are a team I've kind of 
had a soft spot for pretty much since I watched, started watching the league. And in Lamar Jackson, they had a guy who I loved when he came out of college. And I, I just, I, th- I think he's, if I had to start a quarter, I had to start a franchise right now, he would be the guy I would take as my quarterback. I, I think he, he kind of has it all. Um, but for me, the reason I think it's so good is the defense last year was, was pretty good at times. Um, not superb, but it kind of has the ability to to kind of really show up in big games, which I think I think that's maybe a bit of a Baltimore trait in general. Um, I think Harbour, fantastic coach, but they're finally, I mean, they're not injury free by any means, but they 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 they, they cannot be as cursed as they were last year. Um, Lightning doesn't strike twice, and I do think last year, what they ended up with eight wins, I think in the end, um, bottom of the division. But they they still played well, and they had to get through some horrifically kind of awful situations regarding um, injuries and depth, and they won't have to do that this year. I think they've actually got one of the better backups in the league. I think he fits if the worst comes to the worst, and Lamar has to miss a few games like he has previous years. They got a guy there who can step up. He knows the system well and can execute. Uh, but for me, the Ravens are they're going to absolutely smash the AFC North to pieces. Uh, like you said, the Steelers, I don't think are going to be particularly good. I don't quite subscribe to your view that they're going to be be absolutely dreadful, but then they're certainly going to be, I'd say, the bottom team in here. Then you've got the Browns. I, I, I'm not huge on them. I think, again, defense pretty good, but this whole quarterback situation, I, I don't really overly like the way that's going to sort of pan out for their team. I think we both then, also going to put it out there, desperately want the Browns to be terrible. I, yes. yes. Uh, I think <laughs> most it, people are probably deserve, rooting for that They just now. deserve it. They do. And then the Bengals, obviously, went to the Super Bowl last year. Joe Burrow was incredible. But they did have a relatively easy schedule. This year, that is certainly not the case. And I think if there was any team in the NFL, I would say is probably prime for regression in terms of maybe winning two or three less games than last year. I, th- I think it probably is the Bengals because I think there's a lot of games last year that everything just went right at the perfect time. And there will probably be a slight kind of slight sort of tiltering on that this season. But I do think they're still going to be very good. But for me, Ravens absolutely going to destroy the AFC North. So Sam, do you can you see it? Um, yeah, I can I can see it. I, I would probably, again, have them as the one. I just want to get your take on it since you're advocating for them so much. You have passed over the major issue with their offense, which is wide receiver. Uh, where do you kind of, where do you kind of see that? Um, how do you see that playing out? Like, do you think that they can replace, because although um, Hollywood Brown didn't get um, that explosive, wasn't that explosive last year, he did get a lot of catches at the perimeter do you think that Bateman Duvernay Prochelle can can replace that or are you also worried about that uh, I'm worried about it but I I think they can do it I think we're going to see a leap from Bateman I think Duvernay is actually quietly really good Prochelle yeah. not so sure and they've got Demarcus Robinson as well haven't they in there yeah. somewhere um, but I mean you are kind of forgetting the fact they have Mark Andrews who is the best receiver on that team, even though he plays tight end. And yeah. they do have some, I mean, even aside from Andrews, you've got Nick Boyle, uh, you've got Isaiah Likely, the rookie as well. So I think you're going I, to see... I really like Isaiah Likely. I think he's great. And 
That, yeah, like, I, I think... And that's the thing, is if they can keep everything between the hashes all year, I think they'll be okay. But I think there will be situations where they need production from specifically the receiver position and that's not flexing mark andrews out to the receiver position i think they will at some stage need it and i worry that's going to become an issue for them at some stage do you think uh the one thing we we know and we love about the the ravens is they're a team that and they've had this for for a number of years they just have attitude they're a team where i think you can get away with being a bit of a bad boy it kind of just works it's part of the culture do you think if there was a very good receiver coming off a, an injury who was a currently a free agent, do you think he could fit in there? Because uh, for me, I think Odell, I, I'm not his biggest fan. I think the Ravens are a franchise where he would just work. And if you need someone to stretch out the field as well, if there's other free agents around like Will Fuller who could potentially do that as well. And I, I do think yeah. there's some talent out there. But for me, Odell seems like, Odell for me is always at his best when he's allowed to improvise and the structure of their passing game with Lamar Jackson works for improvisation and that's why he worked with Matty Stafford because Matty Stafford loves a bit of improvisation as well Baker Mayfield needed that kind of that system and kind of he needs to know where he was going to be but yeah I think that that could be a nice match made in heaven because when when the play breaks down Odell Beckham just has a way of getting open and doing something spectacular, which is kind of exactly what someone like Lamar Jackson would love. Okay, Sam. Now let's talk about the individual that you oh, yeah. will die on the hill for in the AFC. In the past, go say AFC North in the AFC. Yeah, uh, it is Tua. Um, don't Didn't don't believe coming. don't believe all of those. Well, I say all of those. Don't believe those social media clips of him uh, throwing ducks to Tyreek Hill. He, he's accurate and he's going to... Look, okay, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes' arm. He isn't going to be throwing the ball 75 yards in the air. Does he need to do that? Absolutely not. You can hit Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle on a crossing route and he'll hit it right in their numbers and they'll be able to get the ball and run. That's all he needs. And you think about how much better everything is around him this year. From the coaching setup, coaching setup is, I mean... I don't have anything... There was nothing wrong with the way that Brian Flores was running his team. He shouldn't have got fired. That's a different issue. But from an offensive football standpoint, they're in such a better position because Mike McDaniels, um, his his system has allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to get, you know, to the Super Bowl. Or, like, not his system, but the system he's been part of. And he'll bring that with him. And he allows... He's created plays that make someone like Debo Samuel extremely successful. So... I think that having that level of improvisation around him and a system that's going to be set up to really get the playmakers in the offense involved, not just the quarterback, will massively help him. Having um, the kind of revamped offensive line um, with uh, Armstead now at left tackle, like that is just, it's so much better. It's magnitudes better. And you're looking at a position where one of the best receivers on the team last year was uh, Mike Gazeki. And there are questions of him like really having a massive role this year because of how many weapons they have on the outside. Um, so I think that I think Tua, with a bit more time in the pocket and a lot more around him, and just a whole system that now believes in him, because that's also the thing. I think the one of the biggest things that Tyreek Hill coming has done for him is actually 
Tyreek's Hill's media campaign for him. Like genuinely, I think that helps so much because yeah, he's now he's now a captain of the team. The team genuinely believe in him, which I don't think they did before. I think all of them wanted uh, them to make a trade for another a nameless QB. Um, and but I now think that the team is behind him. I think that will help a lot. I think you'll see that he will be the same guy he was at Alabama. And that is the guy who beat out Jalen Hurts and was better than Mac Jones. Two, like, I mean, I know Mac's only a rookie, but two successful NFL QBs. So, and he's better than them. And I think he's going to prove it this year. Yeah, I'm... All right, before you say that, where are they going to finish in the division? In the division, they're finishing second. They're above the Patriots. Um, okay. Right. Bill, Bills are the best team in the NFL. I'm not going that far to say they're better than the Bills. Okay, I wasn't sure quite how spicy you were going to take that to, take that uh, take no. to. I but but that but it's a definite definite playoffs definite playoffs. I do think I do think Tua has been incredibly unfortunate in his career with some of the some of the the way they followed tried to sign other players in his position and a lot of other things as well. And I do think he's primed to have a far better year. He's a guy I've been taking in fantasy as like a QB two in a lot of places. Um, and I must admit, I will say this. If, if he doesn't have a good season this year with Mike McDaniel there, who, as you said, has worked wonders with average to mediocre QBs. If he doesn't have a very good season, I think that is, that's his time as, as a starter done and dusted in the league, unless there's some sort of injury that's kind of behind it or something, because this is, this is an opportunity that he can't fumble this now. If you are two in or two out, please let us know at handoff NFL on socials. All your socials, uh, if you have one, we will be on there. Um, I'm going to give you my guy now. And this is a guy, look, I've got to apologize. If you listen to the other podcast I do, the At Odds pod, or if you listen to any of the kind of pods that I've kind of guested on in the, in the last sort of week or so, or even if you just followed me on Twitter, and especially if you've been in the group chat with me, I apologise because I've talked about this guy, uh, frankly, a sickening amount. I'm I'm actually sick of saying it myself. But the hill I'm going to die on is that Damian Pierce of the Houston Texans is about to be your offensive rookie of the year. I think this guy, one, is is good. I think that is is kind of the crucial thing here. Um, we can kind of talk about what he he did at Florida. Obviously, last year. Let me quickly get the stats. 574 uh, yards on the ground, 13 TDs, um, and and also some some decent work receiving another three TDs, TDs and 200 yards as part of that as well. But that was part of a, a Florida team that was kind of pretty much every half-decent analyst has said how kind of it wasn't really set up for him to to succeed. And I think there's there's an element of that. And when you've, when you've seen what he's done in the, the first preseason game for the Texans, he looked superb. He was cutting on a dime. I've again, I've fallen in love with the guy. I've traded for him everywhere. I've got him in in every league, like literally every league. I think, um, and I just think he's going to have a have a fantastic season. And ultimately, with kind of rookie of the year, any of these things, I think it's very much a kind of it's about being there in front of the in front of the viewers each and every week and. Admittedly, the Texans are probably going to have to throw quite a lot because they'll be behind in games. But we are going to see a guy here who is going to be on the field constantly. He's the only rookie, I think, that's going to be a bell cow. I don't think we're going to see that from Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker this season. 
he's just going to be on the field all the time. And volume is king with these kind of things. And the one final thing I'll say is he obviously turned up and the, the coach's praise for the guy was so effusive, so much kind of positivity around him. They ended up when when it came to resting starters for preseason, he was rested straight away. He's first on the depth chart now. They cut Marlon Mack because there's there's no point having him with Damian Pierce on the roster. And I just think, you know, opportunity is king. He has an incredible opportunity here, and he has the backing of his his uh, coaches. So I think we're going to see you know Damian Pierce offensive rookie of the year season. What do you think, Sam? I think that your your persistent badgering about this guy is really. I mean, I was I was hiring him before, but I think I think you have won me over. Um, I do think that um, surrounding that conversation, that you know, as you said earlier, Kenny Pickett will be up and amongst it for Rookie of the Year because he is the prominent rookie QB of the class. Um, and I think also you're going to get uh, Drake London having a lot of opportunities in Atlanta. Um, like from very early on but it does seem to me that the guy who's going to be carrying the ball or touching the ball the most in this rookie class will be Damian Pierce and going back to what you're saying about Florida not knowing how to use him um Florida fans whenever he did something good in the preseason was were atting the former head coach Dan Mullen just constantly on Twitter <laughs> just with highlights of him showing him how he could be how he could have been used at Florida <laughs> um so I think he has has quite the cult following already from from Florida, and yeah, I think that it won't take long for everyone in the NFL to realize the talent that he is. I was going to say though, when you were saying about it, I I'll be honest, the there are fairly slim pickings for for rookie of the year. I think that I think that maybe I mean we do a bit of betting on this on this podcast. Where where do you think is it kind of a sidebar? But where do you think the good odds are in that market? Do you think it's um, kind of a later round? Uh, running back like one of those kind of guys maybe like a Tyler Algier or um or a receiver uh who might get a lot of work um but hasn't quite got a high profile yet someone like Romeo Dubs or do you think it's better to go with the safe money for someone like Pierce so there's three guys at the top of the betting market for offensive rookie of the year you've got Chris Alave Kenny Pickett and Brees Hall Pickett we spoke about I think he's a good bet Alave, I wouldn't want any part of the Saints. You just don't really know what that team's going to look like and play like this season. Then you've got Brees Hall. Again, I think Michael Carter's going to eat into his reps a lot more than I think potentially the odds makers think. Damian Pierce is now 12-1. to 1. I think he was 50-1 to 1 when I got on him, on him a while back. I'd say 10-1 to is kind of where he should be. So to be honest, not a huge amount of value in that. Drake London, you mentioned at 14-1. to 1. I think he has the opportunity. So he's definitely a, a good bet there. But I mean, looking further afield, someone like David Bell at the Browns could potentially actually have a really good season. I think Zamir White at the Raiders, there are a lot yeah. of signs that they want to get rid of Josh Jacobs. It's more than likely going to be at the end of the season. But if for whatever reason he starts performing well and takes that slot early doors, then you could be looking at a contender there because they've got an O-line that you could definitely have a very, very good season running behind. So yeah, that's yeah, agreed. That's it pretty much in terms of those guys. So Yeah, I'm sticking my money on Romeo du- on Romeo Dubs, but <laughs> I, I concede the the much better, the much smarter money is is on is on Damian Pierce there. I, I think they're just yeah, he'll have his ball uh, the ball in his hands so much. Um so moving on to the NFC, um my team uh that I am backing 
all the way to the Super Bowl. I won't go quite as far to say they'll win it because they're an NFC team and the AFC is absolutely loaded. But I'm back in the cards no. to win their division, no. go to the championship game. Because, so the issue is, right, basically every year, something happens to D-Hop by the time they get round to back half the season and then Call of Duty comes out so Kyler Murray just starts playing that instead of actually watching film but this year because everyone knows that's what he does now he's going to get motivated to not do it and also with D-Hop not being there at the start of the year they'll kind of get a, a spark so you have Kyler Murray kind of carrying the team in the first eight weeks of the season D-Hop kind of coming back in re-energizing the side and that carries them to, to you know basically the December and at that point, I think surely, surely they've learned from mistakes. And I just also am absolutely enticed by the by the combination of Hollywood Brown and Kyler Murray back together again. I've never seen two guys so small do so well together on a football pitch. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so, I'm genuinely so excited to see that again. Um, other things... Um, Zach Ertz will now be fully integrated into the offense, which really, really helps them. Um, and yeah, they've got they've got a bunch of weapons. They took a tight end again early, so they also, and I quite like Trey McBride. They've just got a lot of weapons. I know they've lost Christian Kirk, but they still do have AJ Green to tide them over because I think you know six games is probably all you'll get out of him anyway. But that's all you need. Um, and then. Yeah, their defense isn't quite as good as it looked a year ago with the loss of Chandler Jones, but I think there are going to be a lot of shootouts and it's their secondary that is growing and growing and growing in, in confidence and in ability because they're young. And I think that down the stretch, it's that young secondary that will be winning them games. Kind of a bit like how the Bengals defense was just picking up bits and pieces for them at the end of last year. I think that the Cards defense can act in the same way. Uh, I mean, I, I, can, sold. I, I can agree <laughs> with your last two. I, I definitely don't agree with this. I, I I think the Niners are the best team in that uh, division right now. The Rams are still very, very good. And then, well, okay, let's let's leave the Seahawks. But I, I, those other two teams are far better than them. So that is a hard pass for me. Uh, I am going to go for another team in this or oh, in this division, in the worst division in football, the NFC East. You've got the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and the newly named Commanders. My, You're not talking about the Giants. The hill you? I'm going to take, I'm going to die on this year, is that the Giants will be close, if not succeeding, in doubling their win count from last season. Uh, last season, they won four games, and they were so, so bad. I think the defense last year was actually overlooked because they were actually quite good they were like sneaky good they didn't really have a huge amount of like mega stars not really many were talking about them because they weren't really in games but they were pretty good and you combine that with what they've done this year i think there's only one one member of their starting line last year is projected to start this week brand new line you got a mixture of some experienced guys in there uh, some rookies in there and I think that's just bodes well. That line can't be as bad. Saquon Bartley is back. He is healthy. And behind a line that can actually block, I am quite hopeful that he will have a very good season, a bit of a return to form. You have 
Daniel Jones. Okay, let's not talk about Daniel Jones. Come on. But I think <laughs> I think he's a guy who I think he'll improve a bit this year. I don't think he's a franchise guy. Um, probably a guy to get in a fantasy draft potentially because he is very good on his feet. But then even the receiving core, you've got the awful Kenny Holiday. But you do have the the brilliant human joystick. There's Kadarius Tony. You've got Wondell Robinson's joined in, um, and I, I do just think this is a, an offense that's going to be much improved because I've I've said this in I said this for years across different shows. Whoever whoever has the best offensive line generally does win games. I think it's the most basic thing in football. And if the Giants' offensive line is considerably better than it was last year, which it looks like it will be, at least better on some level they are going to have a good season um, by their sort of history from last year. Uh, and I think doubling that four wins up to eight is is very much a possibility. Um, so for me, that's the hill I'm going to die on. I I think that'll be a quick and painful death, but um, I just don't, I don't see it with the Giants. I, I really like Brian Dable, but I, I have no faith good in coach. Daniel Jones not to be, uh, not to be turning the ball over um, like, at least twice a game uh, either throwing picks or interceptions uh, throwing picks or fumbles rather and uh like your hype on Kadarius tony um oh, yeah, yeah i don't I, I why why then draft uh wandel robinson i don't i don't understand it. i don't understand what bpa best player available I, he, he absolutely was not the best player available and that is a hill i am willing to tie on um but it's just I don't know, not, nothing about that. And you're you're saying about this this offensive line, I think it will be better, but it needs to be like orders of magnitude better, but it's it's just slightly better for in, in my opinion. All right, let's well, I am hear... surprised. I am surprised though that you didn't didn't get to your, your favorite bit that you actually been shouting about nearly as much as been shouting about Damien Pierce, the tight end. <laughs> I will I will let you address that if you're if you want to do, go back um... there. <sighs> I was going to save this for for a, in a little bit, but Daniel Bellinger, the rookie tight end, uh, I'm expecting big things. We'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, incredible athletic profile, new George Kittle. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> all right, so Sam, let's let's get you tell me what, who your your individual is that you're willing to die on a hill for, um, and let's okay. see if I agree. So, I think this guy is the most disrespected coach in the NFL, and it's Matt Rule. Um, I think that he gets a lot of flack, which borders all on this kind of cliches of, well, he coached in college and I've seen him shout at his players and players just don't respond to that. And I think that that's, that's just wrong. I think some players do respond to that. Uh, you wonder why the Giants defense was so good is because actually the defense quite like Joe Judge, who shouted at them a lot didn't have a college background, but like he shouted at them and kind of got them amped up. I think you can be a disciplinarian and still succeed in this league. And I, I think it's kind of disrespectful that just because uh, Urban Meyer was absolutely abysmal does not make Matt Rule equally bad. Um, I think that he has a track record of projects turning around both at Temple and at Baylor in the third year. And guess where we're headed? We're headed into the third year. Um, they finally as well have enough on offense to actually play complementary football that defense started as hot as anything last year but because uh, they just didn't have any support everything just broke and they did get a little bit exposed by i think it was the cowboys passing game early in early in the season 
um but they kind of they rallied around and recovered towards back end but by that time they were they were out of it so no one was paying attention to their defense but they they have a lot of talent on defense and a lot of young talent on that defense from from the edge rushers to the cornerbacks i i i just kind of i think that i just think that it will be that defense that will be matt rule's kind of defining uh moment and i think that that defense will lead them to the playoffs i think they finish ahead of the saints this year and i mean obviously ahead of the falcons i think that's i think most people have them ahead of the falcons so i don't think i'm being bold in saying that but i think they finish ahead of the saints and get to challenging the bucks um but maybe not quite getting there um but yeah i think um you were i think you mentioned before that you were going to talk about one of their pieces on offense um that i was going to talk about a bit more but the baker mayfield trade is what has sent me over the edge in terms of i think that they can make the playoffs how do you feel about baker mayfield yeah so baker mayfield is my the hill i'm going to die on actually this season i think we're about to see a baker mayfield redemption arc Uh, a couple of reasons behind this so first and foremost he wasn't as bad as people made out in in cleveland it like statistically he he just wasn't like he by no means was he worth the first uh, overall pick i think that's entirely fair to say in his performances but he was at a team that generally has been dysfunctional for god knows how long um and i think that is something we really have to keep in play the whole thing that came up with him and odell beckham and you actually alluded to this earlier when you have a receiver who doesn't run where he's meant to be that becomes an issue for a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, who it's it's all about timing, and he has to be in the right place. You can't you can't ad lib with him, um, so that's that's one thing. I think that was incredibly fair, unfair, and some of the other criticism for his, for some of his poor games, he was play he put in poor performances in games that frankly he shouldn't have been in. He should have been on the sidelines, but he was willing to go out there for his go- his guys and put his body on the line and fight through that. And I think ultimately in a and locker still room... Gets, and still gets called things like selfish. I'm just yeah, like, how is not. going out... Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's the sort of guy I'd want on my team. I'd want to be fighting for a guy who's going to put it all on the line. Um, and he does that. And I think one thing I absolutely love about Baker Mayfield is his attitude. And he is determined to win at all costs all the time. And I think he will do that in uh, Carolina. I'm not sure Matt Rule is some sort of you know, genius, but I do think that in Baker Mayfield, they have a QB there who's got attitude. I mean, he's talking about this weekend's game against the Browns, you know, in he, he's not going to lose that game. Like I can tell you that for, for, for nothing, the way he is, the way he's amped up and he's dialed in when Baker Mayfield wants something, Baker Mayfield gets it done. Um, so for me, we're going to see a redemption from him. And look, this this isn't an original thought here. I'm going to say, and I don't actually have the stats to, to hand, but KTO, a really, really good YouTube channel that does lots of brilliant uh, videos around the NFL. They did one, must have been maybe half a year ago, something like that. Yeah, it was just just at the beginning of the off season when, when Baker was kind of, had said that he wanted out of, of Cleveland. Yes, and they basically compared his kind of years in Cleveland with what Drew Brees went through uh, in in San Diego uh, at the time. And there are a lot of similarities, both in playing hurt, both in actual stat lines. And 
by no means am I saying he's going to have a Drew Brees kind of redemption, but I do think there is very much a scope for a redemption of sorts. And I think we're going to see a far better Baker Mayfield than we've ever seen before. I don't think it's unfair to say that Drew Brees is the ceiling. It's like, yeah. you're not saying he's going to be suddenly be Drew Brees, but I think that is the ceiling of, of what he could be. Um, that supporting cast isn't as good as what Drew Brees entered with kind of Sean Payton, but I think it's because it isn't an offensive focused team. But yeah, I think that he can definitely be successful there, especially if CMC remains healthy. Yeah, so Sam, we're going to jump onto our second feature of the show in a second, but I'm going to ask you one thing, and I I don't even want an explanation. I just want an answer. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? I could be boring and say Buffalo Bills. Incorrect. It's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers. We're going to have back-to-back Super Bowls heading to LA. I said the Rams last year, and I was spot on, so let's go for two for two. All right, before we do that... Um, Let's get stuck into this. this. is a new feature, actually. It's called Bargain Bin. And look, if, like us, you love playing DFS, this is about that, really. So in DraftKings, you regularly have $50,000 to pick your team. We're all about sniffing out those bargains. So what we've decided to do is each week, we're going to go for $10,000 less, so a $40,000 budget, and a maximum player value of $7,000. Um, so it's quite restrictive. It's actually really restrictive when you try and do this. Give it a go, actually, if you fancy it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest entering public lineups with it, though. You might uh, get smoked. But actually, if you were to play it just with a bunch of mates and impose that limit yourself, it could be quite fun. And we're going to go position by position. Uh, so, yeah. so quarterback, Sam, who have you gone for? Uh, Matt Ryan, uh, good matchup against the texans i expect the the colts will be eager to show off their new passer as well and we'll let matt ryan air it out they should win that game and i think that yeah he will have perfect opportunity to score a lot of points and he's only five and a half thousand so a kind of a nice budget qb uh i'm going marginally more expensive 5.6 thousand trevor lawrence uh of the jags just, you know, on the road in Washington against the Commanders, I think, you know, there's going to be no Chase Young. I don't think this Commanders defense is going to be up to much. So I think that is a, a good good start. So so running backs, who have you got in the running back position? Do you want me to go for both of them? Yes. I've got your boy, Damian Pierce, 4.8K, an absolute steal for a starting running back in, in uh, fantasy. And then I've also, um, I'm going with your Jags. I've got Travis Etienne, 5.6. Again, really good value for a starting running back. And similar thing with Matt Ryan. I just think that he'll get featured week one because it's a, it's a, and he's kind of a rookie, but it's a, it's a weapon everyone's been dying to see for so long. And I think he'll be, he'll be, you know, he'll be able to tear it up against a, a defense that will be struggling without Chase Young. Okay, so good news and bad news. Bad bad news, or good news, I love both of those picks. Bad news, you just in terms of the content, I have both of those picks. So, um, you know, reasons as above, I agree with both of those. Well, isn't yeah. that funny? Um, then I, I'm going to go first on receivers then, so you can't, you can't, uh, you can't jump me for those. So yeah. I've got Brandon Ayuk against the Bears. Nice. I'm not super high on the Bears defense. I think Brandon Ayuk with Trey Lance is going to be hugely improved the things that Trey Lance is good at that Jimmy wasn't necessarily good at one of them is the deep ball 
who's going to be good with a deep ball, it is Brandon Ayuk. So for me, Brandon Ayuk is the guy there. Then you've got your own favorite, Mr. Romeo Dubs, Dubs against the Vikings. Uh, he's 3,000. Sorry, Brandon Ayuk was 5.2. And Josh Palmer of the Chargers against the Raiders. I think Josh Palmer, he's the third option on that that offense, the third person option. But 3.8K, I think he offers real value. And he's a guy I think could actually have a, a bit of a breakout season there. So those are my three receivers. Who you got? Yeah, um, touching on Brandon Ayuk, I feel like he'll be a bit like, I mean, not in terms of role in the team, but in terms of a fancy prospect, he'll be a bit like a Tyler Lockett where one week he'll get zero he'll get like two points and another week he'll get like 25 points so real boom or bust pick there I've gone back to the Jags actually so we've got quite a few Jags in this in this uh section um but I have Christian Kirk for 5.1 uh he seemed he'll figure to get a lot of touches and obviously DFS is PPR uh one point PPR um then I've got Marquez Valdez Scantling, a guy who I I really enjoyed at Green Bay as as a kind of flyer, because uh, you know he could just go off at any point, and Mahomes is going to throw a deep bomb to him at some stage, and I'm hoping it's this week, um, and then kind of to to couple up with my my quarterback choice, uh, Valdez Scantling was uh, 4.7, and then coupling up with my QB choice, I'm doubling down and I've gone for Alec Pierce, um, who I think will just get a touchdown. He's a red zone weapon uh, out wide. And I think that Mickey Pitts will get a lot of work uh, between the 20s. But when it gets down to it, I think Alec Pierce will find himself available in the red zone against one-on-one coverage. He was only 3.9 as well, so really good value. I think Alec Pierce could have a have a good season this year, actually. So I like that. So yeah. tight end... Um... I mean, we touched on it earlier. I mentioned Daniel Bellinger. He's my boy, two and a half K. You've got, yeah, he's questionable, but it looks like he's trending upwards and should play. And you've got a starting tight end there against the Titans. So I'm going to take that. I think think he could have uh, a good, good game in his NFL debut. How about you? Yeah, I think that's a good shout. I've gone for Hayden Hurst, who is a guy who I have um, really liked throughout the entirety of his NFL career. He's uh, just kind of always been the second best tight end at wherever he's gone because he was um, drafted ahead of but then quickly fell behind Mark Andrews at the Ravens uh, then was brought over to the Falcons and was good but then they got Carl Pitts and now he's the number one tight end at the Cincinnati Bengals they pass it a lot um, I think Pittsburgh will show a lot of attention to trying to shut down both uh, T Higgy and Jamar the star um so i think that that's some of the worst nicknames I've ever heard. i think that uh hayden hurst will get a lot of attention particularly on third down uh from joe burrow and maybe in the in the red zone and the end zone as well um moving to um our flex positions have you gone running back or receiver or, or even a rogue tight end uh, there i've gone receiver oh who, who have you gone for then they're playing the bengals Yep. I've gone for a stealer and I've just realised I've gone for a lot of rookies here which is probably not the way to go but I've got George Pickens of the Steelers um, yeah. he's 4.1k I think that could be value he, he's got attitude and you know by all accounts everything you hear from training camp has been incredibly positive Yeah. Uh, so 4.1k I'm, I'm willing to roll the dice on him there yeah um and i have gone for boston scott who is a starting nfl running back and don't anyone don't let anyone tell you who isn't because miles sanders does not exist he just gets injured 
uh, he's pulled his hamstring and Boston's got to do all the heavy lifting. Don't worry about it. He'll get the touchdowns. He'll be in the he'll be in the end zone. Um, uh, 4.5, quite good value for that as well for running back because the, the floor for running backs um, is 4K. So only 500 pounds um, above a kind of base running back. So really good value, I think. There. What defense are you going for there? So I'm a hypocrite. I have panned the Giants mercilessly throughout this entire episode. Um, however, one team I'm not too hot on right now are the Tennessee Titans, particularly game one, also because I didn't have any money left and I needed to get a defense. <laughs> um, so 2.3 for the Giants, and I'm hoping they don't concede a bunch of points to the Titans. Uh, mine's 2.5k here, and this acquisition now means I have three from the same team. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And like this is, by no means is this a sort of advocacy for the Jaguars' defence. This is very much a play because I do not trust Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders whatsoever. Uh, it's not a team I want any part of at the moment. Uh, so Jags' defence, 2.5K, I think, is lovely, which I don't know about you, Sam. My roster totals up to 37.1K. I don't know if you've got that available oh, so you're for you. you're a long way below. I'm a long way below. Yeah, look, I'm all about the value. All yeah, no, you've done very well. No, I've I've snuck under, um, as my pick of the Giants probably suggests, I am at 39.7. Um, maybe maybe we give you some kind of bonus for being extra frugal. Maybe maybe we, th- maybe we think about that for, ne- for look, next gas week. Gas prices are rising. I have yeah. to be sensible. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> so now, quickly before we wrap it up, we're going into overtime. So Sam, tell me, what is the one thing you are most looking forward to week one of the NFL season? Okay, so it's kind of a homer pick, um, both because I've talked about one of the themes quite extensively on this episode, and one of them is uh, the New England Patriots. So bear with me here. But I'm looking forward to, but kind of not looking forward to Patriots versus the Dolphins. I want to see Tua do really well, but also I really don't. And I'm also very nervous that the Patriots are going to be terrible this year. Well, I, I do like that. So game one, or no, it's not game one. It's actually the last game of the week. Monday Night Football in week one, Broncos at Seahawks. Now, this is going to be a lot of fun. You've got Russell back in Seattle. I think if you're a fantasy player, you've been dying to see a good quarterback with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy for a while. We're about to see that. Javante Williams, if you're a truther like myself, you're excited for that. I I just think this is going to be really fun. And I think every primetime game this week is actually, as you'd expect for week one, very exciting but this one for me is the the pick broncos at seahawks so look guys as always with any podcast we're going to ask you to do the simple things the boring things like subscribe and make sure you follow because doing that helps us out and if you like the show please post it on social media please tell your pals so please follow us on your favorite podcast platforms this has been the handoff i've been sam farley and that has been sam leo green and we'll uh, see you next week